Hi everyone, it's John Hastings coming at you with the Wrestler Review. Time for another fucking sweet Vince McMahon episode. Bear in mind, I believe that the coronavirus is a thing. Unfortunately, my co-host just went to a maternity ward and coughed on all the babies because he said that only quote-unquote cucks get COVID. He currently has COVID. Please welcome Dylan Gott to the program. Yeah, exactly. Dylan Gott, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Studies have shown that first the thing is, first thing, if you got a fucking dick over six inches, you can't get COVID. And that includes women. So if only women die out of this, it's fine. I can't get COVID two times over. (laughs) That's true. People also believe that, which is very funny. They're like, I had it once. I'm like, I don't know if you know how diseases work. Yeah. <laughs> I had cancer once, so I'm in the clear. Anyway, I'm going to go hang out near some nuclear reactors holding the microwave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I already got AIDS. You know what that means? Can't get cancer. Um, <laughs> Can't fit two in there? Yeah, exactly. Your body's not big enough for two murderous diseases, man. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Your lungs protect you from lung cancer if you've already had COVID. <laughs> Which is why I'm rolling I'm rolling all of my cigarettes with fiberglass. Here's what we're gonna talk about. We're talking about the territories, part five today, the death of the territories, the final nail in the coffin. We're gonna be talking about fucking Pro Wrestling USA. We're gonna be fucking talking about the UWF, I assume. Uh we're gonna be fucking talking about a bunch of fucking bullshit. And then we're going to talk about uh, Cindy Lauper and how the luckiest interaction in the world, which was Cindy Lauper meeting Captain Lou Albano before she met Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George was supposed to be the dad in the video. She met Lou Albano first and said, this guy seems like my alcoholic, abusive dad. Put him in the video. I don't believe that that's how it happened. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the rest of the review. A couple of things I want to just t- talk about off the top, Dylan. So just we've both glanced at the research as prepared by Christopher Hobson before we go in deep. Looking at this year, the 84-85, the beginning, the, the foundation of the rock and wrestling time. Sorry to be all serious, but I have this point to make. Doesn't it seem like this is the only time Vince McMahon listens to wrestlers and other people? Like, he's taking advice from everyone, adapting it to his original plan, but, like, incorporating their advice and their expertise into what he's doing, and he keeps moving forward, and he's basically, with the exception of Dick Ebersole, never done that again. <laughs> Well, yes, he, he. but this is what he does. He takes advice from Dick Eppersall. He takes advice from his circle of trust. But the other thing is, this is this also happens in the late 90s when he just basically makes ECW from TV 18 to TV 14. Like, when his back is up against the wall, he will take advice, but he literally has to be facing poverty and annihilation before he does so. Yeah. Like, imagine him when he once in his child's once when he was raising his children, he said to Linda, I'll make dinner and imagine the disaster that was. You what he was? He's you what he is probably? He is like the quintessential wartime general. Where it's like you'd see all these guys who like like fuck. There's so many examples throughout history, but like a lot of Roman emperors were like this, where they were amazing at taking territory, but then during peacetime they were like, Let's tax people who can't 
swear are good enough. I'm like, what well, does the, that mean? I think the, uh, you got to be able to say fucking ass in a sentence yeah, six yeah. times in a row. Yeah, you fuck ass. <laughs> Give me 10 bucks. <laughs> Don't tax that man. Yeah, yeah. That man's the king. Um, the best example of, and I actually completely agree with Dylan, what Dylan's saying, is General Patton, who was a uh, tank commander in uh, World War II for the Americans, and is considered to be one of the best wartime generals ever, in that he is the reason why the Battle of the Bulge ended. Uh, and also, when World War II ended, and VE Day and uh, VJ Day was declared, he said no, and <laughs> made his tank battalion start driving from Africa to Russia. And he didn't have enough gas for that sick. journey, and they had to sick the military police on him because he, quote-unquote, didn't like Stalin. So his plan was like... They're a bunch of pussies. I got a bunch of tanks. Let's just go drive. We'll drive to Moscow, and I'll <laughs> shoot them with a tank. There. War one. I just won three wars. I'm Patton. And also, if he was not fighting in a war, he would just go somewhere and get super drunk, and then they would have to find him in the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like you, uh, Ulysses S. Grant, where it was like, Oh, yeah. A br- brilliant general saved the Union for the United States. Worst president of all time. Oh, yeah, spectacular. Just was like, my official policy is I'm taking bribes starting now. Yeah, let me tell you, uh, who wants to be treasurer? Because I won't get paid. Grant likes bourbon. Grant (laughs) likes cash. Grant likes to piss on the Lee Memorial. Grant won. Uh, Yes. So we should start here because the... uh, By talking about Ulysses S. Grant more? I really wish I knew more about the Civil War. I just finished watching the documentary, and like everything, all the information went in one ear and out the other. But one of the early Union generals, I guess, is what you can compare these people to. I wish they remembered their names. But um, Eddie Einhorn, Vern Gagne, and uh, Bill Watts, Jim Crockett, Jerry Jarrett, amongst others, all agree to start Pro Wrestling USA. Okay, a couple of things that why this is really stupid and also why this is ridiculous is they already had an alliance of wrestling territories known as the NWA. At this point, the NWA was so corrupted, essentially the other NWAs just had to form a new NWA. Like Vince picked the perfect time to attack, which again goes back to the theory that this humble program is posited that his dad was completely in on the expansion the entire time. And it's bullshit. He was against it. Like he was get, definitely. Well, everyone was tiptoeing that way. Like everyone was like kind of expanding, but they didn't want to like. They were like brushing up against each other's borders, but not directly trying to compete with each other. They were competing with each other in like this really passive aggressive way. And Vince McMahon was like, "I got your fucking, I got the guy you never made champ, but'll still draw money." He's going to lose to Hulk Hogan next time you're in town. Now everyone in town thinks Hulk Hogan's a superstar. Let me wrestle and review this metaphor. They're all in a room at a party. They're all in a makeout room at a party, at the, and they're 13. And Vince is the only one that leans into his lady and goes, I want you to suck my dick. <laughs> well, the rest Jesus of them are just triumphing. That- Why do- <laughs> I don't like the... Uh, I mean, it wouldn't have made sense they were at a makeout party. When they were 18, but I really don't like the age used there. Well, why would you be at a makeup party when you're 18, baby? Sometimes I got news. I don't know. Just because, because so that our viewers had a better mental image than infusing a 13-year-old asking another 13-year-old to suck him off. As you, as, <laughs> Dylan, as you know, 
as you know, sometimes to make your point, you have to be a creep. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Just look at your president, Trump. They're all in a room fucking each other's wives and one guy wants to film it and that's Vince McMahon. I mean that's actually an even better yet almost and uh, not nearly as but still creepy metaphor. Yeah. It's still creepy but it's not pedophilia. Yeah, it's not or as what we call it around these parts, Dylan's secret hobby. Dylan's a pedophile. Welcome everyone. <laughs> so, let's I should say this. I misspoke here. All right. So, June 1984. Yeah, that metaphor wasn't creepy. I'm Dylan. I loved it. That wasn't creepy enough. So a conglomerate of the AWA and NWA held special meeting about Vern Gagne's supposed proposed syndicated television show with Eddie Einhorn, the idea being the parties put together a modern national TV product that could, of course, kick back Vince's expansion. Other than Vern and Einhorn, Jim Crockett, Jerry Jarrett, Bill Watts, amongst others, were in attendance. An agreement was, of course, reached to, to form Pro Wrestling USA, a syndicated television program, and joint promotion. So the idea isn't a new promotion. The idea is they all have world title matches, not knowing that, like, you, you have to... Have, have one. to build to something. Yeah, you have to build something. Not everyone can be the fucking star of the show. Right now, and also remember, Vince McMahon has still got, he's still got the primetime television slot on TBS that's synonymous with the NWA. Like he, yes. again, this has got to be perfect for him. He's looking at this going, they're all disorganized because in the end, they're a kitchen with 40 cooks that all hate each other and are all idiots and are also assholes. He's one crazy idiot asshole with a bunch of advisors. So this whole Pro Wrestling USA thing, if I'm Vince right now, I'm going, this is, I, I, this is a, if this is a battle, this is a gap in their line, that if I take this opportunity, I'll run the fucking board. There's, they won't, I'll be so far ahead of them, they won't catch me. And that's essentially what he does. Because what they should have done is either all backed Crockett, they should have all gone under the umbrella of the NWA and respected the NWA's rules. They should have done a variety of things. Instead, um, uh, bu -bu 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 -bu. instead, what he started doing is continuing to just raid their talent because their talent are going, why would I stay here when I can go up there, work constantly, be exposed more? Um, and also, the uh, other territories are noticing how Vince is using their talent. Because basically what he does is it's sort of a version of when the radicals jumped from WCW to the WWF, which is he takes mid-card guys, keeps them as mid-card guys, presents them stronger. He didn't do that with the Radicals, but he does that with Captain Mike Rotunda, Barry Windham, a variety of guys that all jump from the territories to the WWF. A lot of them then jump back to the territories stronger in character and ability because they had this national exposure and they were sort of giving, they were able to give a rub back to the territories, which the territories didn't even exploit. It, it's a very interesting sort of dance in time. Uh, it's still also when. Because Hogan. June of 1984, so Hogan has just arrived. Let's check that, because we're doing a very, like, the way we've done this essentially isn't like... It's not linear. 83 to 84, 84 to 85, it's pretty much like chronologically moving across what each territory is doing, just so it all makes sense as a narrative, rather than being like... And then Bush Reed beat Dave Cassidy. Who the fuck is Dave Cassidy? Yeah, it's the major beats of the time period, and so a lot of these things happen... At the same time, I know he still has Crockett's TV on TBS, um, which is again very important because 
I think if he because what's also going on behind the scenes at TBS is Turner wants Vince off. That's not the product he thought he was paying for. He, Bill Watts has a show also on TBS. Ole Anderson has a show also on TBS, which then becomes Crockett's show essentially. Um, and Turner is talking to both Watts and Crockett. Essentially, what happens is Crockett presents himself at, in a little while as a better businessman. Well, I assume Bill Watts was showing Ted Turner Krugerrands and asking him to smell his fingers. <laughs> so Hulk Hogan, sorry, Hulk Hogan has been the champion for five months now. He won January 23rd, 1984. And uh, I think, honestly, the only way there would have been able to stop Vince's expansion is if some guy comes in with a... T- <laughs> Some guy comes in with a ton of money, like Ted Turner, for some reason, and someone who none of them have anything against, because Lord knows that they all have fucking hatred towards each other and wouldn't actually accept a buyout from any of the other ones. So they all, for some reason, agree to this. Fine. A guy comes in, buys every single territory out, and then he builds a company. There's, it's so you'd almost you'd need Ted Turner, but Ted Turner would also have to be like. I'm now handing this company to a, a booker who's better than Vince McMahon and has some sort of vision that's more appealing than rock and wrestling, which I don't think there was. And in the there 80s. wasn't. Like, what's even inter- What's even interesting is who's the booker for the rock and wrestling period at the WWF? Dylan, go ahead, have a guess. Do you know? Uh, George Scott. It's George Scott, who traditionally is one of the most hard nosed, down the barrel fucking wrestling bookers. Which is an excellent, actually, like um, resource to have because you have the juxtaposition of the pageantry of the rock and wrestling era, but it's all sort of backed up by these, for the first time seen uh, nationally, but all these territorial tricks. George Scott, for those of you who don't know who he is and why are you listening to this program if you don't intimately know who George Scott is, had a dream about him last night, <laughs> fun fact. Um, he was putting snakes in my bed. This quarantine's making me lose. Quarantine's making me lose my mind. Um, uh, George Scott was behind uh, the push of Ric Flair and the reason why um, Rick didn't become Randy Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes' brother, uh, was the architect of the original feud between uh, Rick and uh, Ricky Steamboat, which they literally just did again when they were building to the tri- trilogy of matches in the late 80s, early 90s, um, was the person that pushed Wahoo McDaniel, Johnny Valentine, all these sort of people, which you can see in the talent that he raids and that he raised these really good traditional worker wrestlers to be to fill out the card while Hogan's on top doing all sorts of schmoz and shenanigans and who is he working with? He's working with George Scott's favorite talker and wrestler Roddy Roddy Piper. Go ahead Dylan, talk more. I just think that the WWF was booked in a way that not any other territory had been booked which is I'm sure there was a territory book like this if you look through history. But just I mean, the AWA was booked this way, to be honest, actually. This is the star of our television show. Yeah, but no, hang on. Every week, it's like an action show, and our star always wins. But here's here's the clever thing that Vince did. This is, I want to, I just want to bring it back to Vince's genius is, hey, having George Scott letting him build the car that way, but also in that the AWA structured it that way, but instead of their star being an old, confused man named Nick. It's this fucking giant superhero-looking dude named Hulk Hogan. Um, Also at um, this point, by the way, uh, Vince's television and uh, live booking expands. Uh, One of the reasons that happens is because while he's going around negotiating with various territories, uh, asking if they would like to be bought out, 
they all stupidly would sit down and explain to him their business, not realizing that he wasn't there to negotiate. He was there to gleam information about how they book in their towns, what promoters they work with. So he then went and undercut them. He particularly did this to the AWA. And I got news for everyone listening. I am fine with it. If you're so fucking stupid, you'll be like, oh, who promotes us in Chicago? His name is Bill. Bit of a drinker. Here's his phone number. You deserve to be put out of business, you old fuck. Yeah, piece of shit asshole. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck ass. Suck my butt. (laughs) So this is the other thing we have to mention is that uh, Piper and Hogan have just started their feud. If you want another battle analogy... The enemy is at the gates, and they're still arguing who's the leader of the army, is the territories yeah, are. Because like it's completely their fuck. Because, again, what you now have is that Hogan, who is this perfect, squeaky um, babyface, is now working, in my opinion, with the best heel he ever worked with, and also a guy that isn't afraid to tell Vince, fuck you. For example, Rowdy Piper didn't get, pin, get pinned by Hulk Hogan until WCW, which is absolutely brilliant because it always had the fans going someone just fucking beat this fucking guy like the nypd had to protect kids who had rowdy roddy piper dolls at madison square garden he fucking incensed people and vince mcmahon let him do that vince mcmahon and him were talking and he went i want like a place where i can talk and vince mcmahon went all right We'll do 10 minutes on television and gave him Piper's pit. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But all of this stuff is important because I want to come back to this. At this point, Vince McMahon is listening to people, which doesn't happen in one year's time. That stops happening for 13 years. It doesn't, though, because he completely changes the way he does television. So he stops listening to people. About the wrestling business. we'll, We'll learn that over the Vince McMahon saga, just the extent of how he stops listening to people and starts like... I think WrestleMania 3 is like, he sees all those people and goes like, I am God. I'm dad now. I guarantee he had his dad's <laughs> skull sat next to him in a chair and just went, I'm the dad. <laughs> I'm I'm my own daddy. Ah, fuck me, daddy. So, of course, we can't underestimate how important C- Cindy Lauper was to this whole scenario. I, I, I because disagree. I think we need to focus only on the fact that Dr. D. David Schultz also arrives in the WWF. More Yes, Dr. D and feuds with his buddy Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and he's more important than Sidney Lauper for a couple of reasons. One, he told me that. Two, still smokes. Three, now a bounty hunter. Four, not a woman, therefore better. That's what Dr. D, David Schultz says. I feel like bounty hunters are a lot like comedians, though, where he probably has that as his Facebook occupation, but I don't know how much bounty hunting <laughs> he's actually doing. I haven't got around to it and I'm going to say 30 years and the only person I came in was my, I put in was my mommy because she tried to steal some soup from the local grocery, but I'm a fucking bounty hunter. Yeah, I think you absolutely nailed that. Bounty hunting is like a pirate profession where all you need to do is get on the boat for a bit and people will be like, yeah, I guess he's still a pirate. Um, Yeah, Dr. D. David Schultz. Fun things about David Schultz that he's claiming this time. One, Hulk Hogan, uh, that was a push that Vince McMahon was going to give to him, but he was too nasty. Two, he was supposed to be involved in the Cindy Lauper angle, um, but he was too intense. Three, Hulk Hogan's a bitch. <laughs> I love Dr. D. David Schultz. He has no idea how he comes across and that he sounds like such a liar. It's phenomenal. He is fantastic, and he is Hulk Hogan's first friend that he gets hired to 
pro wrestling and then he is a he is a absolute like absolutely a blueprint of what not to do for Brutus the Barber Beefcake and guys like Ray Trailer, like Hulk Hogan's friends who he's like this guy's my friend. He knows that I'm the only reason he has a job, so he'll feud with me because he's okay when I just like throw him into the third row. Dr. D, on the other hand, would uh, probably only ever called him Terry, even in front of fans. Uh, said, if you're going to put that leg <laughs> drop on me, I'm going to gut your fucking pregnant wife. And smelled <laughs> strongly of wet cigarettes. You have to really appreciate how different the WWF's vision for what wrestling is other than the NWA. Because Tuesday Night Titans debuts has great ratings. What did Sports David Illustrated Wolf, call it? The, what did Sports Illustrated call it? Uh... Super fucking sexy TV. Yeah, it's just fucking want to get your dicks hot. Hey, are you OJ Simpson? You should host this because you will never do anything Stick bad. your cock in a fucking hole because some one of these guys will suck it on the other side. Yeah, Sports, Sports Illustrated. Illustrated. Sports Illustrated was a really weird magazine in the 80s. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but they once called Wayne Gretzky hottest buns in the East. Ooh, we want to jizz in those. Hockey is yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said that. That was the headline. <laughs> I'd like to stroke it on Bo Jackson's face. That was the review of him coming out of college. Someone turned to the camera and said that. Yeah, they turned to the camera in the magazine. The magazine came... I'd like to stroke <laughs> it on his fucking face. The magazine came with a VHS tape, which was just a journalist... That just said that on it, it and, then you, yeah, and then it self-destructed. So you'd, you'd repeat it to people, but you could never say it. Ooh, I'd like to fucking eat his... I'd like to chomp on his gravy boat. <laughs> and then the guy leaned in and whispered, I'm talking about his cock. And then pow, blew up your VCR. <laughs> so Tuesday Night Titans debuts. It's called Sports Illustrated. says the most provocative show on television. I mean, and I assume he bribed someone to say that. Like, I assume Vince McMahon... I assume Vince McMahon sent Lord Alfred Hayes... <laughs> To the Sports Illustrated offices, he just kept taking his dick out and putting people's hands on it. And they were like, why won't you leave? And he was like, well, you'll just have to ask my boss. <laughs> and then the police came and he he also like tried to Sometimes they just them. do racist things. <laughs> sometimes they do just racist things. Like it's just sometimes it's just it's just a platform. It's like the exact same thing we always talk about at wrestling. It's like no one pays attention to it because, oh, it's wrestling. It's so stupid. And then if you actually look at the content, it's like they just stabbed a woman because she said she wanted to have unwed sex. Why um what were the well, why is the women's division title only go back to 2017? Oh, before that they were called divas because sluts wasn't allowed to be said on television. Yeah. They won the right to stop wrestling. That's what you won when the title <laughs> You had to show your tits, and then you got to stop wrestling. Why is that mainstream star Paige in the corner crying, even though that she has had a movie produced about her and is arguably one of the biggest stars of the last three years? Oh, because the executive in charge of her department uh, in front of mainstream press just called her a slut and basically went, she fucks, fucking's bad. And then he made kissy faces and then just took more HGH so you can watch the movie that's about her family on his forehead. <laughs> So let's say this, Tuesday Night Titans, they did not, the NWA did not like Tuesday Night Titans at all. They, it was fucking horrible to them. I don't like Tuesday Night Titans. So uh, for this, uh, for because I'm like, this is making wrestling look embarrassing. I can only assume that um, Bob Geigel saw Tuesday Night Titans and literally cut off one of his fingers. 
it's interesting though because is this show just like really ahead of its time because it's like wrestling without any wrestling at all it's literally just hey cokeheads go out there and put some fucking fun outfits on no it's not wrestling ahead of its time it's what vince mcmahon wants wrestling to be ahead of its time like vince mcmahon weirdly for a guy that's made a billion dollars off wrestling would love if there was actual no wrestling like if it was just a bunch of wet guys talking oh that's what that's his idea of fun yeah of course well that's what he wants this is why he promoted fucking uh, Evil Knievel jumps before this. This is why he bought a shitty hockey team. He is a carnival promoter. People see them. People see him as P.T. Barnum. He's not P.T. Barnum, of course. Yeah, P.T. Barnum had some some concern for the acts that he worked with. Well, Vince McMahon would have been like, I don't think he did. P.T. Barnum. He did. <laughs> he did. I read his. I read his book. P.T. Barnum. I like elephants more than humans, or do I? <laughs> elephants are fun too yeah to kill yeah that was the last page yeah it's, to it kill. takes a real like he's like you got to make sure the elephant's healthy before you fucking murder it i'm pt barnum mm, and this is my this is my son gene <laughs> hello everyone i live inside the elephants i use them welcome everyone my father told me my mother was an elephant <laughs> weak go ahead <laughs> so you have to understand this wrestling has gone from Redneck, smoky, corn, smoky fucking redneck bullshit to now, hey, look how harmless all these rapists are. Yeah, it's essentially, it's gone from, hey, your uncle comes here to smoke to, hey, bring your dad. He can smoke. Yeah. Well, the whole point is wrestling fans with kids stop watching wrestling and now they can bring their kids because it's harmless fun. And it'll, and wrestling fans are wrestling fans. And this is very, very astute. But it is totally true. Wrestling fans are wrestling fans, and they will probably never stop watching. Like, you either stop watching when you're a teenager, or you just do not stop watching. There's a time where everyone stops and starts chasing skirt or skate chasing schlong. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that. And if you pass that period, you're in for life, buddy. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the reason why we have this podcast. We are two married men, uh, and. Oh, you should know more about the coronavirus spread. Uh, shut up. I got to read about Bob Geigel's later, later life. Oh, he lived a bit near a golf course, <laughs> but not on a golf course. How reasonable. <clears throat> this is very fun stuff. Lopper, of course, appears on Piper's Pit. Lopper chose Wendy Richter uh, to be her second uh, in place of her being a wrestler. They're trying to push Wendy Richter. We all know. How that fucking so now, Dylan? How does when how does Wendy Richter get involved with the WWF? Um, she uh, sees Vince McMahon throwing Nancy Snooker's body into an unmarked grave, that's right. and he goes, "Oh, I've got a job for you." Um, that's exactly right. No, yeah, uh, Nancy Snooker. He was just tossing Nancy Snooker's body into a dumpster in Yonkers, and Cindy Lauper yeah. was like, "Hey." Um, that's not what girls want. And he was like, what do girls want? And she was like, I'll tell you. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and then she started singing and he was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good stuff. What it was is a combination of things. Her manager and boyfriend at the time, or husband, David Wolf, um, uh, was a very astute, smart marketer. And it's, again, one of those things where how do I break um, this uh, 80s pop song in a different manner uh, then okay, sorry, we're, we were saying Wendy Richter. Oh, you went. I was talking about Cindy Lauper. I said Wendy. I said she. Cindy Lauper takes Wendy Richter as his second, and then 
you're explaining how Wendy Richter got in. So Wendy Richter sang and wrote Girls Gotta Have Fun. So that's how... No, we're agreed. No, we're not agreed. I made a mistake. We're agreed. I am but human. Wendy Richter, we all know how got into the wrestling business, which is fabulous. Moolah was running a brothel. And Wendy Richter was one of the uppity ones who demanded to actually wrestle. And Moolah went, fine. Disgusting. Yeah, gross. (laughs) So Cindy Lauper gets into wrestling how? Her boyfriend slash husband, David Wolf, was a giant wrestling fan from a kid. Uh, was looking a way to market her song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, uh, and realized that involvement in wrestling would provide them uh, a huge amount of media attention in uh, one of the biggest markets in the United States, New York. Essentially looking at going, why is Vince McMahon so successful? Oh, he's in New York. That adds legitimacy. I'll put Sydney there. That'll add legitimacy to us. So the idea of putting a wrestler in the music video for Girls Who Want to Have Fun, which Dylan alluded to before, was supposed to be Gorgeous George. Uh, but then they switched it to Captain Lou Albano. He claimed Captain Lou Albano claimed that it was because they met on a plane and he charmed her. I believe that someone was like, oh, you don't want gorgeous George because the music video will be an old man showing you his penis and then crying. So you want to get this guy who does, drinks vodka like it's water. And when he cuts himself in the ring, he doesn't cut his forehead. He cuts his cheeks because he likes sticking his, fing- his tongue through the wound. Welcome to wrestling in the 70s. It's hell. <laughs> Oh, what a scary, scary thing. Lopper is obviously just a visitor in pro wrestling, but it is very important for both of them because obviously girls just want to have fun, which would have been a hit either way. Really solidifies. I didn't realize. Did you see? I didn't realize. Hobson, because he's good God has an attention to fucking detail. Do you understand how big... I didn't realize how big that fucking song was. That it's charted in two different decades, has 400 million plays on Spotify. Girls certainly do. You didn't realize how big Girls Gotta Have Fun I is? I mean, I thought it was big, <laughs> but it's one of those ones where it's like, it's just all lumped in with like all of those 80s songs that sound like, man, they thought they were mar- modern, and man, they sound dated. Really? That's right. I don't know, man. This is like when I worked with a girl at a at a charity and she didn't know who prince was what yeah i was like oh because prince and then now she went prince who and i was like that's funny and then another time Mm. someone brought up purple rain she went what's that and we were like wait a minute you don't know who fucking prince is (laughs) this sort of like the time that i someone didn't know who our lady peace was and i was like what but superman's dead (laughs) yo everyone knows who olp is though (laughs) yeah man there are there will be on our money yeah 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 yeah, yeah. star seed star seed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> good god canadian rock and roll in the 90s was shit fucking no it was really good no, it was not no the, the lead singer of i mother earth is still a bartender at a bar that we've been that we would go to occasionally but that's because there's no star system in canada you're just on tv and then it's like well i hope you didn't quit your office job i yep. hope you enjoyed just building kitchens because that's what you do edwin let me tell you this about that guy the one time that I went there to drink just to see if he was working there, does not like if you get a bit drunk and yell, Edwin! Doesn't doesn't have a sense of humor. No, there's no way he does. <laughs> does not. <laughs> there's no way he does. Does not have a sense of humor about it. And I got to tell you. He lives in hell. Yeah, it affected his tip. It affected his... See, that's the worst thing. He's it like still on stage. It didn't affect But it's tip. just for assholes. Yeah, me. It's just for people screaming like, you're in either earth. Guess your fucking band sucked, didn't it, you big fucking idiot? And he's like, okay, thank you. Do you want a Diet Coke? Suck my fucking dick. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you, man, man. I'm from fucking Aurora. Everyone fucking knows that they're... 
I Mother Earth was fucking better when that other guy showed up who had dreadlocks. I'm like, you fucking, I don't feel so fucking alive, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Check this one out. So they do the war to settle the score. It gets a 9.0 Nielsen rating. Biggest rating is in the history of MTV. The other thing you have to understand about MTV, it's not, it's, it's, it's still cool. MTV is still this is cool. Not, it was this a, is not, this is not only the, the, the cool time. This is also when the, and MTV did not have enough content, which is the two things. This is, Vince McMahon, again, a fucking like He's in New York. So the MTV offices are down the road from Madison Square Garden. So they would be completely aware of what wrestling is. They are desperate for television. Cause you have to remember it's the mid eighties. Not every band at this point makes music videos. Like they just don't. It's it's very so. MTV. I think the year was 1987. Before 1987, if you just made a music video, they played it, which explains. Yeah. Like, check out Didi Ramon's rap career. That was on MTV, and that's the craziest fucking like. It's the worst song I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. Wak 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 wee. Um. So they are desperate for content. Vince McMahon is desperate to be on a different type of cool television. Cindy Lauper is already involved in the WWE. Cindy Lauper is fucking massive on MTV. MTV comes to Vince. Vince goes to MTV. No one knows. Boom. Water set of the score. Oh my God. So many fucking viewers. And all 18 to 35 as well, which is very, very important. And so the, uh, and what was there? It was the, it was a, a nine point something. 9.0. So 9.0 basically means that 9% of all of the televisions in America were watching that, I believe is what that indicates. Yeah. And this is completely justifying all of the fucking loans this man's taken out, everything this man has done. He has provided content that's not just music videos for MTV, because you understand they would have much music had this in like the late 90s, just video they would just do video flow for three hours which literally was one after another music videos the teenagers would watch and then commercials for teenagers and then back to music videos. can you just quickly explain what explain to them what much music is because not all of them it's canadian mtv so and then they had mtv canada come in and it completely destroyed much music because much music uh, played music videos and MTV just played reality shows by that time. Yeah, because people don't people want to watch something with a narrative, not what does Stone Temple Pilots third song off their album sound like. Oh uh, yeah, man, a uh, guy we know named Rob has the lyrics of one of those Stone Temple Pilots songs tattooed on his body, and I remember when I learned that it was the moment I was like, oh, I'll I'll never respect you. There's nothing you can... I respect him way fucking more yeah. now. Which which lyrics does he have tattooed oh, on? Oh, I don't even... The, the fucking tripping on a whole of like... Uh, so, like, I don't fucking know. I don't like the Stone Temple Pilots. I like good music. Like, sh- Ooh, I like good music. Like Cher. Like Cyndi Lauper. No, don't like Cyndi Lauper. <laughs> Cher, yeah. Cher's cool, man. Check this out. No. Okay. Vince Vince's expansion rolls right into Toronto. Jack Tunney, baby. Yeah, baby. Jack Tunney rolls over and just goes, fuck me, fuck my wife. Fill me with cream. I'm a Toronto cream donut. <sighs> because, again, controlling Tor- c- controlling that part of Canada was incredibly important, and the Tullys and the Bastine family just were like, "Here, we'd like to be paid every week for the rest of our fucking adult lives. And Vince was like, sure, will you not promote? And they're like, yep. And he's like, oh, and can you also make sure that your son doesn't just decide to promote under the same name and cost me hundreds of thousands, cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars? 
Don't worry, all of our sons are dead. We killed them. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I did do the great service of killing my yeah, sons. My name's Jack Tunney, and I look like a guy who hangs out at a uh, laundromat and asks you questions about where you got your quarters, and that's because I am. Although I'm not wearing any trousers because it's laundry day, and I free ball. <laughs> so after the, uh, the official takeover of the Toronto Territory, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with more Death of the Territories Part Fucking 5. Suck off. Suck me. Break me off a piece of that ass, Dylan. Give me your ass. Nice. Come on the floor. I'll lick it up. <laughs> hey, Dylan. Have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on. Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times, and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him, but then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus. Separately, I don't. I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a Old taste. Snickers sensation. bar hummus. Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review, or rate and subscribe on iTunes, or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now, are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn, fucking turn, break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer, and use your fucking dick grabbers. To give us some fucking money. Ooh, the word I said to the score was actually held between me and Dylan to decide who gets to eat the Limp Biscuit after we played Limp Biscuit. <laughs> so let's complete this because we've now made the analogy that the enemy was at the gates when they're still trying to figure out the general. At this point, the territories are just being kicked right in the nuts. Oh, yeah, they are. It's really over good. Over and over and it's over again. So they're good. not even being granted the dignity of death because. This is when the WWF travel schedule starts, and I think it was, let me go down here to get the exact quote, Ed Cohen, the WWF's director of promotion, said to Greenwich News in 1984, when I first came aboard, we were doing five events a week, now we are doing 14 a week. <laughs> That's two ever. 14. They would have the A shows and the B shows, Hogan would fly over and do, like, Hogan would basically close the first half and then do another show that night so what he would do was i'll explain what you do is you have the intercontinental is on b show always tag team would always be on the end of the a show so hogan comes out in the middle of the a show has his match leaves and drives to the b show and closes the b show with the tag team titles being at the end of the a show this, essentially, on the Greenwich News, I'm sure that Ed Cohen says this, and then a man in a, in a, in a hood just uh, takes his hood down, and, it, uh, and he goes, let's sell these guys cocaine, and then the guy, the other guy into the phone just starts laughing, because this is exactly how every wrestler has died, because yeah. I don't know if anyone out there has worked a job with an intense travel schedule but it really does beat the shit out of your body and i can only imagine how that affects you when you're on a flight like once every two fucking days 
after you've been slammed on a mat where they were they were super fucking unforgivable mats for a really long time. That's the other thing about WWF is like WWF still is still notorious for super hard rings. I have lived I lived without a home for eight months and traveled exclusively. I've had a really bad travel schedule. I've it took me a year after moving to America to feel like a normal human being again. It's cr- and I was not being dropped on my head and also then partying with Dr. D and the JYD. Like I was trying to yeah. be healthy and it like it emotionally fucked me up. I can't just Oh no. Go, uh, Oakland said he traveled 160,000 miles in a 7-month period. Although 60,000 miles were just placing certain body parts in certain areas of the United States to tempt the cops. The, the tour schedule was only 100,000 miles, and he just went out of his way to the other places because he's like, mm, the forensics aren't as good in these rural areas. And then he would just go there, chop a man's head off, show up to the um, uh, show up to the wrestling match, and he have a red carnation, but it was actually a white rose that he had dipped in the blood of a victim. And he liked to wear that just so <laughs> to see if people would notice. Sorry I was late to the show. I've set up a series of riddles and kid bones for the police. Mm. So sorry for being late, Vince. There's just a sheriff in Fresno, California that I'm tormenting. <laughs> he thinks his I wife... Killed the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. The Zodiac Killer thinks that his wife is still dead. <laughs> she never was. She was just me the whole time. <laughs> I've been having a sexual relationship with the Zodiac Killer for 10 years just for the one day when I murder him as he looks into my eyes and I go welcome I'm Gene Okerlund Hulk Hogan is right behind you yeah here's the thing you need to know about you Zodiac Killer is you hid I hide in plain sight I'm more of a man now bear in mind the only reason I did this is so that your secret will die with me this is a fun one because the wrestling observer is in full swing and people are complaining about Vince McMahon. I would love to see people's complaints from in 1984. Like, um, I don't care what his personal politics are. Dick Murdoch is an excellent. Yeah, worker. here, <laughs> um, here's the thing. Ma- okay, Dave Meltzer is a weird man now in his 50s. Think about young journalist whippersnapper Dave Meltzer. This is also, by the way, this is yeah. This is when we get Dave Meltzer. The other person breaking into the business at this time is. Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is taking photographs at ringside oh, yeah. of Madison Square Garden uh, and is also occasionally sneaking into booking meetings or trying to sit at Vince McMahon's table at a steakhouse. That's very funny. I have an idea. How about Cindy Lauper versus me in a sit on my face <laughs> match? Ha ha ha. I love it. Stop <laughs> saying that, Paul. Okay, I'm just going to try and take some upskirts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that part is fine. Paul, we would have we we're the WWF. We consider all photos that aren't an upskirt a mistake. Just Paul, a young Paul Heyman watching rock and wrestling, being like, Dave Schultz should be the champion. He's unhinged. I saw him take off all his fingernails and eat them. <laughs> That's what a wrestler is. It's not someone who makes people happy. It's just someone who makes you uncomfortable. Now, pardon me. I'm gonna go hang out in a jail and see who wins the fights. Do you? I mean, everything you've said is makes so much more sense. Imagine how weird the backstage area of the WWF this moment is. Is Hulk Hogan just calmly drinking some water? Jimmy Snuka just reliving murdering his girlfriend. 
Paul Heyman's taking photos, <laughs> and Dr. D. David Schultz is sharpening a knife while Bob Orton, Don Morocco, and Roddy Piper are just on an amazing amount of cocaine. Well, this is the thing. To take a take a step back from the Vince McMahon saga and everything, Paul Heyman getting into the wrestling business here is very, very important because he starts taking photos of rock and wrestling, and I guarantee Paul Heyman being that he is taking photos during rock and wrestling meant, of course, he liked wrestling, if, New York wrestling in the 70s and early 80s. So for him, he's seeing rock and wrestling and he's thinking this probably the weirdly the same thing the NWA is thinking, just in a different way, which is he's seeing an opportunity because they're neutering his favorite type of wrestling, which is wrestling's not where Hulk Hogan saves Cindy Lauper from roddy piper and then roddy piper uh runs away wrestling is a man of an ethnic uh, a man of an ethnicity gets in the ring and then a bunch of people yell slurs at him mm-hmm. or uh another guy gets in like just people yelling slurs at each other and then if someone messes up a move you hurt their family like that's wrestling to paul Heyman, and he completely creates yeah, that was in ecw a, i was about to say that you just described ecw in two sentences one guy is one guy is different than us. That's bad. Another guy is going to hurt him. That's good. Unless that guy gets hurt, then that's also good. Let's hope these two people get hurt. Yeah. How about we do something so people get stabbed more? Stop suggesting that, Paul. I just think. Everyone go watch, by the way, The Dark Side of the Ring with New Jack. It's the greatest biography on a public figure ever because there is... I've never seen someone with literally no remorse in my entire life. It's... A fucking, it's a art piece. It's terrifying. They're yeah. like, oh, that man walks among us. Watch out, or sorry, yeah. Listen to our uh, New Jack episode for more fun stuff, such as when the guy tried to fight him outside the club and New Jack ran him over with his car. Yeah, just be aware. You know how usually people stop doing cocaine in their 50s? New Jack stabbed those people and took their cocaine. Yeah, the greatest quote was, how do you see the New Jack story ending oh yeah uh if it was a movie and then he says i'm in a wheelchair doing cocaine (laughs) (laughs) i was like that's amazing i mean let me say this do what you love and you never work a day in your life and new jack likes doing goddamn right and he does cocaine (laughs) he does cocaine and stabs people um uh yeah exactly so this is I was going to say, it's amazing that Dr. D. David Schultz never ended up in ECW being chokeslammed by 911. Just a guy who looks like John Stossel, and then he shoots him in the head with a real gun. <laughs> and it's an indie worker, and he goes, I'm fucking peeing him. And everyone goes, ECW, ECW, ECW. Oh my God, he's peeing in the body. He's peeing in the body, the body. Oh my God, Sabu. He's inserting his penis into his anus oh in the God, ECW oh my God, arena. Oh my God, oh my God, Sabu is hiding in the body. Oh my God, Sabu's brought a record. <laughs> it's Dr. David Schultz and Sabu for the television title. Oh my God. Yeah, now we're going to match a corpse versus Dr. D and Sabu. The corpse wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. ECW was a hard watch at times. Um, oh, it was very fun. Uh, so this is a very fun uh, little note is despite all this, like everyone fucking ripping on WWF, Bill Watts writes a column for for Mr. Meltzer thanking Vince for rejuvenating the, a stagnant injury and industry not injury you fuck oh god you didn't think girls want to have fun had (laughs) sold more than three copies but i can't say misspeak you fuck off (laughs) 
This is all right. So, McMahon offers uh, Stu Hart one million dollars for Stampede Wrestling. Oh, this is my for the whole thing. Yeah, and then they take it. WWF does, or sorry, Stu takes it. Holds his holds his final event, September fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. WWF signs Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid was such a piece of shit. <laughs> he makes me ashamed of where I lived, Hobson. <laughs> Robson lives in the same town as Dynamite Kid. That's very funny. Well, he lives in Rapesville, USA. Yeah, he lives in the nightmares of children. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Bullyville. I just shit in your mouth. Fuck you. I am gonna eat all your food, even though I'm already full. Yeah. I took a shit. You eat that. I'm the Dynamite Kid. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something about me, mate. I just fucking came on your fucking steering wheel. <laughs> your steering wheel's covered and come on the dynamite kid mate all right mate you want to know why they call me the dynamite kid because i fucking just put a firework in your fucking dog's mouth and killed him and then i fucked him every time you ejaculate for the rest of your life i'm gonna shit immediately after it you gonna have no fun in your fucking life i'll shit on your cum it's not your cum it's my shit now. he's just saying you gotta remember about me the dynamite kid is that i grew up in england in the 60s when fun was outlawed and the entire country was black and white i watched my mother smile one time and it was at my dad's funeral she'd fucking killed him and i knew <laughs> love wasn't for me so the wwf is use, is using their and it's really paid off for them the exact same strategy that they used in other parts of the world which is by the territory or tell them you want to buy it, they don't buy it, um, and you just run that territory with all their old stars. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where Vince gets a Vince gets a huge fucking rap for betraying all of the um, uh, all of the territory people that bought in, and then um, he didn't live up to the bargain. Now, all you have to do is literally dig in. And it's proven 100% that, no, he, he he was a businessman. He made them sign contracts. They then all would violate them because they're crazy. So Stu's deal was a million dollars over 10 years, 100 grand a year for 10 years, which is more than enough to live on when you live in a dilapidated old house and eat cat turds and your only thing you do for fun is go to a YMCA and try and mutilate people you find there. Yeah, when you when you try and uh, rip the tendons of childs. Yeah, the other thing that was part of that deal was Brett, Davey, uh, and uh, Dynamite Kid go. Nightheart would have gone as well, but Nightheart was in Louisiana at the time with Bill Watts. The main part of that contract was, Stu, you are not allowed to promote in Calgary. I do that now because the idea is big wrestling town. If wrestling's not happening anymore, we can go into the Saddle Dome, sell it the fuck out when we pop in two, three times a year. That was the prevailing wisdom of why you would do that. Stu said yes. Bruce, his son, noted idiot, went, I don't like that. I'm just going to start running wrestling too. Okay, Bruce. Well, don't call it stampede wrestling because that'll make it seem like I'm violating the contract. Um, No, I'm going to do that. Okay, that probably won't be noticed by Vince McMahon. He's not a smart person from New York. We can outsmart him. My name's Stu. I'm a fucking idiot. And then the uh, deal was violated, and Stu stopped getting paid. And you know that this was clearly um, Stu's fault, and everyone knew that, because two of Stu's sons and two of Stu's sons-in-laws just kept working for the WWF, in a ba basically saying, fuck you, Bruce, you fucking idiot. Yeah. 
thus none of the heart the first blow in none of the hearts talking to each other because Stu pit his sons against each other in a very sad life if you fight for my freedom <laughs> one of you will be the favorite the better uh, the winner gets to fuck me <laughs> 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 Tell me it didn't happen. <laughs> I guarantee that's how he met his wife. Yeah, hello, ladies. You're all gonna fight to view. <laughs> Couple of things about old <laughs> Stu Hart's cock that looks like yeah. a knuckle that's been through a <laughs> blizzard without a glove on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you can talk whatever you want. 1984. I like. I'm what's it a rat? <laughs> I've read a book. Go ahead. <laughs> July 11th, 1984, the contracts for Vince's hostile takeover of Georgia Championship Wrestling were finalized. He finally obtains the most coveted time slot, which was Superstation WTBS on the 14th at 6.05 Eastern Time. Freddie Miller, the co-host of World Championship Wrestling, co-founded regu- confounded regular viewers by introducing Vince McMahon rather than long-term announcer and, re- and wrestling legend Gordon Soley. This is where Vince provides, promises to provide, sorry, the best wrestling entertainment. I didn't realize that it was this quick a turnaround because it really would have helped to just like go, this wrestling is going to stop for two weeks. Like that's how you do it. You give them two weeks notice of this is going to change. You don't go like, hey, that thing you like, it's done. It's interesting. I have the exact opposite reaction because the takeover of the Georgia Championship territory from Vince... um, was it happened the year it happened Christmas beforehand? Jim Barnett's forced out by Oli. Just so he, uh, Christmas of '83, he's forced out by Oli because Oli, I assume, doesn't like gay people. Oh, John, do you have any evidence of that? His name is Oli Anderson, and a hundred percent that that guy does not. Li- he doesn't even like. He doesn't even like other white people that don't have beards. Yeah, yeah. Everything else, I agree <laughs> with him. If you want evidence of only that and you'll listen to us, just call everyone a pedophile. You're a fucking <laughs> yeah. idiot. Anyway. Yeah, very good point. Um, that happened. Jim Barnett immediately goes to Vince. Vince then buys... Actually, no, this is pretty fast. It's within six months. Vince is able to buy uh, majority stakes. So he buys up Paul Jones, Paul Jones and the Briscoe brothers out of Georgia, takes over, and immediately then gets the controlling interest of the TV, forces Ole out, and puts it on... You'd have to move quick because also, as soon as Ole sounds the alarms... And stuff like that. Someone else is going to try and negotiate with Turner. And essentially all that Vince wants to do is get on television because in his mind, his product is going to be stronger than the NWA in Georgia. He was incorrect. He also violated the contract right away by not doing the show from Atlanta, which he could have definitely done. I never, there's certain things he does where I'm like, why, why break that rule? Yeah. Like just route it. Like you're planning this for six months. You can just route to have a few wrestlers do like you can intercut matches from um, the other house shows and also just put <laughs> two matches in the ring in the studio in Atlanta. This is completely going against everything that the wrestling program had done. It's kind of like how people aren't watching empty. It's honestly weirdly how people aren't watching empty arena matches right now. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. What do you mean? Because it's just like you're just it's the same because you're like oh it's the same thing like ostensibly you'd look at this and go it's the same thing like it's the same rest it's wrestling yeah but it's a change and completely change in how this wrestling is shown so no one likes it like they like studio fucking wrestling which is funny because if vince hadn't constantly made fun of studio wrestling then he could probably get away with just doing 
Monday Night Raw as a studio wrestling show, but he's like, you know what I mean? Just social distance, but he's uh, he's fucking shit on studio wrestling so much it would seem like an, an idiot to go backwards. But. I absolutely agree with everything you're saying, and that makes me upset because I don't like agreeing with you. Um, this was dubbed. This moment, of course, was dubbed by Black Saturday, uh, due to the overwhelming negative reaction to the changeover. Some reports claim that thousands jammed the Turner switchboards to complain about what they saw. Uh, however, uh, Alan Patro of the uh, LA Atlanta Constitution puts the figure at a more reasonable eighty-three. I love wrestling. Thousands of people called. How many thousands? Well, it was 83 people, but they all have families, so that's thousands, uh, which is still a significant amount of people in terms of TV complaints. Bear in mind that most people could not be compelled to pick up the phone and complain about anything they see on TV, me included. Those are Hobson's and mine weren't. Nothing offensive took place. Um, uh, the phone calls were um, also considered to be quite expensive at the time because they were calling from all over the Georgia area, not just in metropolitan and, uh, Atlanta, meaning people had to pay long distance to say, get this fucking shit off my television. Yeah, and it's also like most people would have just stopped watching, but then, of course, they go back. But this is the interesting thing because they do go back. Uh, obviously, we all know this. John said a million times that Vince gets Crockett to buy the time slot back off of him and use that money for WrestleMania. Absolutely. The other uh, interesting thing at this moment that the territories are also... So, a bunch of territory talent that's being raided. What is one of the talents that supposedly was proposed to be a Hulk Hogan opponent but never ended up going? Which I think if he had been on this program at that time, it would have... It would have really it would have ended the territory's existence a lot faster, which is if Bruiser Brody at this point or at any point had gone to the WWF, holy fucking shit. Well, that was the whole rumor was that Bruiser Brody and Magnum TA were supposed to come over to the WWF and that's why they started they made Pro Wrestling USA. They tried to do those super cards, but of course Brody and Magnum did not do it. And I think they're way better off for it because I can't see Magnum TA being anything outside of like an intercontinental champion for a bit in WWF. Like, does anyone really remember Tito Santana? Like Tito Santana was fucking great, but no one really remembers him. It would have just been like that. I could see, but I could see Bruiser Brody who could have been, he would have been like the undertaker. Cause he's actually sort of what Vince loves, which is just a fucking crazy asshole, Dick independent man. Yeah, that's true. Except unfortunately, that's, that's totally true. I don't, but is Bruiser Brody like actually that big for the time? Yeah. He's a wrestler's wrestler. A lot of wrestlers love him. He was also, but he was also a huge territorial star. He was one of those guys that could just go everywhere, like Andre the Giant uh, did, in that he would just pop the. Crowd I meant like for the physically, like. Yeah, he's fucking he physically. Huge. Like, was he, he six? Was he like six eight? Yeah, because he towers over everyone. So I think he would have been as tall or taller than he would have been a Hulk Hogan monster that could have actually worked. So he would have been like King Kong Bundy WrestleMania two. You think so? I don't know that he's all right. So he's listed at six eight, but let's say, but let's it's okay, also let's wrestling. Say he's, so okay, but then so let's say I'd say all right, he's six four. That still puts him four inches taller than Hulk Hogan's supposed six eight, which he's actually like six one six. Like Hulk Hogan's not that tall. What? Hulk Hogan's huge. How tall is Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan's fucking massive. How tall is he? He's six foot six. He is not. Now he's six like foot six, six foot four because of his fucking back I injuries. Six, I thought yes, it was he was six is. foot four. They lied, and now he's six 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 foot because of his back. No man, he's huge. Is he? Yes. Look at him next to Stallone. He's like a foot taller than Stallone. Stallone's like five six. Stallone's not five six. Stallone is five feet even. All right, let's look. Hulk Hogan, Shaquille O'Neal. 
look at a picture of like him next to Shaq. And he's like coming, he comes up to basically, he comes up to Shaq's like ear and Shaq's seven, like super seven foot one. So like, he's like six, six. You didn't actually, what, how tall did you think that, did you think that like Rick Rude was five, eight? I just assumed that they all just lied about their height. I just. John Hastings, John Hastings believed that Hulk Hogan was six feet tall and didn't think anyone had ever heard of Girls Have Gotta Have Fun. And I'm going to assume is going to vote, is going to get American citizenship just to vote for the most right wing candidate. I'll be voting libertarian, as you know. I'll be voting for Joe Exotic. I'll be a Ross Perot write in vote. I don't care if he's fucking dead. I'm writing in the Bible. (laughs) Jesus. So this is very funny. Brutus Beefcake, uh, January, July 31st, sorry, uh, Brutus Beefcake arrives. Ken Patera arrives in the WWF. Junkyard Dog is signed in August. Basically, Bill Watts writes a letter being like, you're nice, don't take JYD, and he just fucking kills him anyway. David Sammartino, on September 11th, 1984, the second worst thing to happen on September 11th, arrives in WWF. Yeah, the second thing was 9-11. The first thing was David Sammartino's debut. That's what I mean. Yeah. It actually, you know what's crazy? David the first inside job. Yeah. David Sammartino's uh, debut also actually killed about 40 NYPD officers. They all just went home and shot themselves. <laughs> like, I'm so bored. Goodbye. Um, the one thing I just want to bring up about the JYD leaving uh, Bill Watts. Bill Watts always claimed that he treated JYD really fairly. Um, thought that he was a star and that's why he isn't a racist and doesn't like black people. JYD left Louisiana at literally the first opportunity and on purpose no-showed events because fuck you, Bill Watts. It's the best. That also may have been something that Vince paid extra for. I mean, I'm sure he did and I'm sure JYD was like, oh, cool, I'm getting paid to do my favorite thing. July 13th, 1984, uh, the WWF uh, takes Chicago and destroys the uh, AWA. Of course, uh, WWF was showing at 8.30 a.m. on Saturday mornings, which is a poor time slot. But they still outdrew and... No, sorry. They actually... uh, This is the one part where the AWA actually... Chicago was late. They were like, you know what? I don't give a shit about Hulk Hogan. We're Chicago. We got a lot of stuff going on. We want Vern Gagne doing back takes. We want Vern Gagne slowly pouring milk into a glass for an hour and a half and explain to you how milk makes you powerful, not working out. We just drink a bunch of milk. You know, we got to move. Uh, other signees that didn't actually come to the WDF, but people that were approached were the spoiler Don Jardine. Spoiler, Don Don Jardine, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, Tim Woods, the Briscoe Brothers, and Les Thornton. If they had gotten the spoiler, Don Jardine, and Mr. Woods, uh, Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods, what David Schultz did to fucking John Stossel would pale in comparison. Because Don Jardine, apparently, his favorite thing was, what's that? Did you say something about my wife? No, I wasn't speaking. Why weren't you fucking saying something about my wife? Kill, kill, kill. (laughs) Like Gary Hart literally said, "Fuck my goddamn wife." I know Gary you Hart basically said, "Oh, you know, most of the wrestlers are really good, but when it came to Donald, I just have to keep an eye on him because he liked to kick people till they were unconscious." Basically, he's like, "He liked to kick people to death." Don Chardine, don't fuck around. Um, other fun signings. Who else comes to the WWF at this time? Vince McMahon makes the fatal error of going, "Ooh, 
that shirtless man and that, those three drunk cokeheads seem like they'd be a reasonable fit for New York where cocaine is bountiful. That's right. The free birds come to New York. They are managed by David Wolf. Michael Hayes claims that David Wolf was going to produce. Michael Hayes is an artist. Michael Hayes showed up drunk and David Wolf didn't do that anymore. I don't believe that story, but it's amazing that even in his lie, Michael Hayes is like, I got too fucked up. <laughs> well, he had to have a reason rather than like, it just didn't. And then he didn't do it because it didn't happen because I made this whole fucking thing. Like Michael Hayes is ins- like wrestlers are insane. I, I started to say Michael Hayes. It's all wrestlers are like, and that's how Dr. D almost became president of guam <laughs> like it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah. are you talking about and let's never forget that uh, that time rick flair was almost the star of the show roseanne <laughs> i was this close <laughs> yeah. Ooh. they said you couldn't wear the robe and i said Baby. i had a fucking eight out darlene <laughs> Woo. which one was darlene she was a child that's all i know dylan <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, all right, fine then. Still, still stands. Um, uh, Ole Anderson was uh, given some firepower in this battle um, by forming championship wrestling from Florida and getting on a local TV station, obtaining the early morning slot on TBS from 1984. Uh, in addition, he put shows on in the WTBS studio, um, uh, essentially fulfilling Vince McMahon's obligation to do so while Vince McMahon didn't do these things. Um, these moves... Yeah, exactly. So they basically had two wrestling programs because WWF was so widely hated at 605, so they just made another one, and then, of course, that program ends up taking over the time slot that Vince McMahon has at 605, but the other thing is, uh, so they this is very important, that they... Crockett becomes the face of the NWA basically by beating Vince in this one way, but, of course... We're not watching fucking NWA WrestleMania, are we, you fucking motherfuckers? Oh, truth. Such harsh language for truth. Such harsh language. So we're going to pick this up where uh, when we officially talk about how the 605 Eastern Time slot goes to uh, back to the NWA yeah, we're gonna talk from about, the WWF. We're gonna talk, and talk about how Jim Crockett, a man who's had sex but still is considered a virgin, meets Vince McMahon, a man who doesn't actually know what sex is. He just throws his jizz at his wife and then goes back to work. They meet. They start their rivalry. <laughs> Dylan, best part of this portion of the Death of the Territories. Uh, well, I mean, we're really, really starting to, uh, the bow constrictor is definitely around their neck. I think the best part is the involvement of Cindy Lauper. It made wrestling fun and kitschy and cool. I'm going to say that it's the fact that Don Jardine did not leave the NWA because if he had gone to New York, wrestling wouldn't exist because that guy would have just beaten up a cop. Oh, Don Jardine can't make it to the garden tonight. He just fought eight police horses and murdered two teachers because one of them said, Hey, is that your wife's purse? And he went, my wife doesn't fucking carry a purse. Women don't get money. And he lost his fucking mind. <laughs> I think that uh, if he would have come in, Vince would have taken the spoiler very literally. And his gimmick would have been like, he smells hey, uh, he smells Luke's his son. He would have been like, <laughs> yeah, he just walks out. Uh, Sonny dies in God, or yeah, Sonny dies in Godfather 1. <laughs> First of all, Godfather dies, Sonny dies, Fredo dies, second one, uh, fucking Luke's dad or something, I don't know. How about this? How about we have a cocksucking contest between your wife and my wife? They both suck my cock. 
That's not allowed to be said on TV. We're just going to use the first part. Well, I'm not fucking doing this goddamn company yeah. then. Bruce Willis is dead the entire time. Also, anyone who's not my wife is fucking gay. I'm Don Jardine. Sorry to spoil it for you. I'm going to say this again. Um, best thing is that Don Jardine died in obscurity because he's a terrifying, horrible man. And, uh, okay. and you know this because Jim Carnett and Bruce Pritchard both talk about how he was one hell of a worker. And when those two fucking weirdos start praising someone's work, that's yeah, yeah, countdown yeah. to them being a grand wizard in the KKK. Yep. I think the worst part is probably... What is the worst part? Probably Pro Wrestling USA. Just how... They were like, okay, we'll all form a company. This will totally work. Here's the idea. Everyone world champion loses to old Vern. No. Everyone's world champion loses to Dusty. No. Oh. Everyone's world yeah. champion loses to Carrie, who then commits seppuku, and <laughs> Fritz is the champ. <laughs> uh, 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 cut up. I'm going to cut your fucking head off now, Carrie. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Guaranteed Fritz was like, and then I'm the champion. At one point, he was like, oh, Fritz finally wins the big one. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to hike up our fucking trousers, and we're all going to be honest with each other. I'm the only man here who could be the champion. Have any of you beaten up my kids? <laughs> <laughs> I hold pinfall victories over Carrie, Kevin, and David. Yeah. When they were children. From, from the age from, from the age of fetus to eighteen. I pinned them every fucking day. Three on one match. I went over strong. Only son of mine to beat me was Jack Atkinson Jr. And we all know what fucking happened to him. Electrocuted at the age of seven and drowned in a snowbank. <laughs> oh god. That's true. hundred percent. Thanks very much for listening guys uh join us on patreon patreon.com backslash wrestler review get us on twitter and instagram at wrestler review and we'll be doing an instagram live on tuesday yes and also if you right? could please all give tuesday to, at 3 p.m eastern give to our patreon because at a certain point the van eric family is going to hear about what i've said about them and they're going to sue me and i gotta tell you i have here's my defense he did it <laughs> <laughs> We need lawyers. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Bye-bye.